Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. John chapter 9. Thank you for your worship tonight. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. John chapter 9, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 7. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man. Everybody say, he saw a man. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. And he went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing, and came seeing. Amen. I want to preach tonight. Amen. The Lord has laid upon my heart. Simply, he saw a man. He saw a man. Amen. Why don't you shake somebody's hand? Say hi to them. Tell them they look good. You're glad they're here. Amen. Jesus decides to bring them and by them and by his word us into contact with a specific individual. This is not a parable. This is not a story he's telling on a mountainside. It is really happening in the moment, in their presence before their very eyes. And yet it is still illustrative and it is still telling and deep and rich in a message for us that goes beyond just the physical healing we are introduced to a man who was born blind he has always been blind he has never known the light he's never known sight we know he is an adult By the way, the people approach him directly. Even the Pharisees question him directly. Later, his parents are questioned, and they respond, and they say, you can talk to him. He is of age. 
So we know that he has been in this condition for many years. He has lived this way for a long time. Long enough, as it were, to make an impact on the community around him. But his impact on the community is very specific and not at all grand. John 9 and 8, the neighbors therefore and they which before had seen him that he was blind said, Is this not he that sat and begged? He had lived in this community for years. To be clear, he has a family, at least a mother and a father. He lived in a community of people. He was known within the community, but he was only known as one thing, a blind beggar. Was he talented in some way? No one seems to know. Was he intelligent? No one seems to know. Was he naturally gifted of God? No one seems to know. Not that anyone can speak of. Not that anyone dares or cares to point out about him. Nobody rises to the occasion and says, this is awesome. Because he's always been blind, but he's also always been so intelligent. He's also always been so strong. He's also always been uh, so eloquent. And now that he is no longer blind, he's going to be able to do thus and thus. Nobody speaks of anything. They simply say about this man who has spent his entire life and now as an adult in the same community, is this not the blind beggar? It is common even today for people to go almost unknown. They live among us and we see them regularly. Yet all we know about them is that which is impossible to hide. Usually it's their visible scars, their present pain, or the symptoms of their sinful past. We look upon the faces of broken people every single day. We pass by wounded people on a regular basis. But Jesus is about to do a miracle that makes some powerful points that you and I need to consider tonight. And this is exactly the person he needs to make the point. This is exactly the person that is perfect for this moment in time. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Jesus saw the man. It means not just to see, but to perceive. And it actually even means to consider. He didn't just see the man. He saw the man. He thought about the man. He considered the man's place. He considered the man's position. He saw him. Did you ever notice that when you are looking at, oh, you know, maybe buying a certain car or uh, you learned a new word or you've been thinking about purchasing some sort of object that you start to see that thing all over the place? You ever notice that you start to see that car everywhere you go? Well, there's another one. I've been thinking about buying a car like that. Well, there's another one. You may not have known this, but there's actually a science behind this. It's called the Bader-Meinhof effect. It involves two cognitive processes, selective attention and confirmation bias. 
Selective attention occurs when your brain subconsciously decides that something is important and it starts noticing it. Your brain on its own decides that something is important now. And because your brain has decided that it's important, it starts to see that thing and notice that thing more often. And then it is confirmation bias. It happens when you start to believe that something is more prevalent because you are seeing it more often, even if the frequency hasn't actually increased at all. You think that now suddenly everybody's buying the car. The reality of it is they've already had the car. And you've seen that car many, many times. You've just never noticed it until now. Which means that we can see a lot, but perceive little. That we can be around thousands of people and only consider a small portion of them. That we can get into a place where our brains and our eyes work together to really only notice the people that they want to notice. Pay attention to the people that we want to pay attention to. Maybe focus on those that can do something for us or somehow bring value into our lives or are connected to us in some special way. But it means that we can also miss out on thousands upon thousands of people every day. It means also that we can see people all around us of every moment, but not really see them at all. For instance, some in this city may or may not know that Mankato is currently in an opioid, opioid crisis, an epidemic, a news article that unfortunately is already a year or so old says that the growing presence of fentanyl locally is contributing to the increase in overdoses according to the commander, Jeff Wersall of the Minnesota River Valley Drug Task Force. We hadn't even heard of fentanyl five or six years ago here, maybe a little bit of heroin, but now fentanyl has become quite a bit of our workload, especially with those overdoses happening, he said. Everything we've been seizing has fentanyl in it. Heroin's not marketable anymore, unless it has fentanyl in it. Sometimes it's pure fentanyl. We do, sometimes it's a mixture of fentanyl and heroin. The Center of Disease Control and Prevention reports a geographic shift in deaths involving synthetic opioids and methamphetamines. Southern Minnesota is feeling the impact. Mayo Clinic Health System Mankato reports a 100% increase in overdose calls from 2019 to 2020. A hundred percent increase. It went from something that our drug task force people and our, our people of uh, our officers knew very little about to something that now makes up the greatest workload of their day. But some don't know about it. Some don't even aren't even aware it's happening. Some have never even understood that world at all. They don't see that world because they don't know that world. They've never been in that world. We see it every day around us. Every single day in your workplace, 
in your school, in your community, in the Walmart, in the, wherever you are, you are seeing people that are battling and struggling with this addiction in their life uh, that are always just one bad hit away from death, uh, that some of them have multiple times been brought back to life uh, on the verge of death uh, simply because the officer maybe got there just in time, uh, and they're hanging on by a thread, and yet they're still sitting next to you at the computer screen. They're hanging on by a thread, and yet they're still pushing that cart down the aisle at Walmart. We see them, but we don't see them. Here is another article on a different devastation. Minneapolis is one of the top locations in the United States for child sex trafficking. A six-month study by local prosecutors found over 34,000 advertisements posted online to assist in sex trafficking. But trafficking is not just a Twin Cities problem. Trafficking affects people from all parts of Minnesota. An online sting in southwest Minnesota led to the arrest of 48 individuals. One 16-year-old who was trafficked in northern Minnesota stated that she was exploited on average by five people a day which means that she was exploited over 1,800 times in a year. We are one of the top places in the nation for child sex trafficking. They are around us. We see them hurting broken young people that have been taken advantage of and then disposed of, cast away as if they are useless, walking around destructive in their mind, destroyed in their mind, walking around broken, wondering if there's ever going to be a light of day for them. And we see them, but we don't see them. It's around us all of the time. And we could talk about alcohol and we could talk about the, the pain of abuse and we could talk about a lot of things that have skyrocketed and are destroying everyone that is around us on a daily basis. It's around us, but too often, like another blind man in the Bible, the community doesn't want to hear about it. In Mark 10, it tells us, and they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho, Jesus with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, said, by the highway side begging and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth he began to cry out and say Jesus thou son of David have mercy on me and many charged him that he should hold his peace they told him to be quiet they told him to go back and sit down on his corner they told him to go back to begging they called him to be quiet but he cried out the more a great deal thou son of David have mercy on me the cry was there but the community was ignoring it and when it got too loud they told him to be quiet but Jesus stops and calls him close and heals the man Oh, hallelujah. The question has to be asked of us from time to time. And I am not come today to point fingers at this crowd. I have come today to call us, 
call us uh, maybe a, a, a clearer view of the world that we are living in. But the question does have to be asked of us once in a while. Do we remember when our cries seemed to go unheard? Do we remember when our cries fell on covered ears? Do we remember when our desperation only led others to distance themselves from us? Do we remember a time when we weren't a part of the family? Do we remember a time when we didn't have a church to go to? Do we remember a time when there was nothing but darkness and despair and pain? And you say, well, no, preacher, I've never felt that in my life. Then you ought to be the first one rising to your feet and praising God and saying, thank you, Jesus, for keeping me from the pain and the darkness. But if you've lived in the darkness and now you live in the light, you also ought to be thanking God on a regular basis for the goodness of God that brought us out. Come on, I think you want to take 30 seconds right now. Thank God that you're still breathing. Thank God that you're still alive. Thank God if you had a good home. Or thank God if you had a broken home. But you're not a broken person. You want to give God some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey Amen. I've come to call us tonight to understand that the time is now to see those that are around us. The time is now to see that neighbor, that coworker, that person on the street. The time is now to really see those that are showing up here on Sunday mornings. I beg you, do not just look at them walking in this building and think that's good. We're going to have a, a lot of people here today. And then they walk out the building and we don't think about them again until next Sunday. That's not why God's bringing them here. He's not bringing them here so that we can say, hey, it's nice to meet you. He's bringing them here because they're blind. Blind, and they're broken and they're hurting and they need somebody who knows Jesus to pull them close and let healing come into their life. Jesus saw the man who was born blind in our story. He saw him, but the disciples suddenly now, because Jesus saw him, the disciples are suddenly aware of him too, but they have different questions. And the disciples asked, saying, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents that he was born blind. Who's to blame for this? Who's to blame? Who's to blame? You want to know, and I don't, I don't claim to be uh, super knowledgeable about this, but I understand humanity. You want to know the reasons why we have so many of these problems in our culture, and though people uh, I, I want to, there's so much talk about it, but it never seems to get any better. One of the reasons is, is because everybody's just looking for someone to blame. We just want to blame somebody because if we can blame somebody, then we can punish the person that we think is to blame and, and we can say, so, so that's, we did that, but that does not fix the broken people. It doesn't fix the destroyed lives. Who is to blame, Jesus? Who sinned? Who, should, who, 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 who caused this? Who caused this? You want to go down a rabbit hole, try to figure out who caused the opioid epidemic. Try to figure it out. 
Right now, medical facilities and prescription drug companies are being sued in multi-million dollar lawsuits against them. And that's fine if you want to go down that road and they shouldn't have done some of the things they should have done. But you want to understand something. You don't mind paying a million dollar fine or a $10 million fine when you made billions in the first place. You think that's going to solve the problem? It's not going to solve the problem. Throwing money at it's not going to solve the problem. Who, who sinned? Who's to blame? Jesus. And he says it wasn't about, this isn't about sin. This is, it's not about his parents. It's that the works of God would be made manifest. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. You know what he's saying? He's saying you can talk about the cause, but I'm the solution. Hallelujah. We can debate the cause. We can debate who's to blame. But I don't want to talk about who's to blame. I want to talk about what the solution is. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. The night cometh when no man can work. But that night hasn't shown up yet. And so I must work the works of him that sent me. I don't want to talk about who's to blame. I want to do something to help somebody. We are called... The church is called to do the work that needs to be done. We are told to get to work because the night cometh when no man can work. Hallelujah. We all understand the destruction of sin. Jesus points out that this was not caused by sin. But we should understand that whether it's sin or sickness, the solution is the same. Did you hear me? Whether it's sin or sickness, the solution is the same. He's the forgiver of sin and he's the healer. Hallelujah. They got so mad at him when they dropped that man down from the roof because he forgives sins. And then he says, oh, you, you have a problem with that? Well, then here, let me rise him up. Let me heal him in front of you too so that you can understand that I can forgive sin and I can heal. The solution's the same. It's Jesus. That means we have the solution. It doesn't matter if it's sin or if it's some sort of sickness. We have the solution. The works of God need to be manifest. Jesus points out that he was sent to do the work and that the work must be done quickly because time is running out. He says it needs to be manifest. It needs to be shown. People need to see it. They need to see it. And to make this point about people seeing it, he opens a blind man's eye. This is so much deeper than the physical blindness this man has. This is a, this is a contextual uh, exercise. This is a point about their life and how they're living and what they need to be doing with the time that they have left. 
Jesus would later say to the disciples and the founding members of the church in John 14, Verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. Jesus said, if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to believe on me, you're going to do the same works that I'm doing. And you're even going to do greater works than I do. That was his position on the church. That was his expectation of the church. That we would do the work that he did and even greater works than he did. That's his expectation. He says, because I'm going to my Father, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. That is the expectation of Jesus upon the church that we and I, you and I are sitting in right now. His expectation of us is that we will pray in his powerful, glorious name, and we will believe for miraculous things to take place that we will pray and addiction will break that we will pray and healing will come that we will pray and the devils would be pushed back it is his expectation of the church that we will pray in his name and believe hallelujah 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 we are called to do the work that needs to be done. We are told to get to work because the night cometh. Jesus was sent. Jesus was sent, and so are we. He was sent, he says, I was sent to do this. This is why I'm here to do this. And Mark 16, 15 says, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said, I was sent here to do this, and you've been sent. You've been sent to do works and greater works and to preach the gospel. One of the continuing definitions of the word disciple is the one who accepts and assists in spreading the message. It's a disciple is not one who just accepts the message of Christ, but it's also one who assists in spreading the message of Christ. I'm not just a disciple because I believe the doctrine. I'm not a disciple because I have been affected by the gospel. I'm not a disciple because I show up to church. That's part of being a disciple. But the other part is I have accepted it, and I'm also assisting in getting this message out. And I'm also helping get this someplace else. John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said, if you hold on to, to my doctrine, to my teaching, you are really my disciples. He's, that word that he uses, that he's saying, if, if you do my teaching, my doctrine, my truth, you're my disciples, you are sent. You are sent by God. Then you will know the truth, he says, and the truth will make you free. What does that mean, make you free? It means you will see. You will see, you will see your eyes will be open. When you have this doctrine, when you have this message, it will set you free and you will see then. What will we see? We're going to see like Jesus sees. We're going to see like Jesus sees. Everybody still with me tonight? I promise I'll preach the fun messages when he gives me the fun messages. 
we will see like Jesus sees when we are his disciples. We will see, amen, like the physical blind man. We will, our eyes will be open and we will understand, hallelujah, that we can help others to see Jesus too. I understand the included go and wash part of this story. I understand that Jesus tells him, you have to do something. You have to go and wash to the blind man. Jesus anointed his eyes and spoke over him with direction, but he, he still had to be willing to go to the pool of Siloam and obey. I understand that. I get that. But just because some people don't follow through doesn't give any one of us the right to, to stop reaching out for the next one. Oh, hallelujah. Just because this one disappointed you, just because this one went back to it, just because this one loved the darkness more than they loved the light, just because you gave it everything you had and they decided they weren't interested, just because they came to a church and they wept in an altar one time, amen, and they went back to it, doesn't mean we get to throw in the towel and say, well, nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to know. Nobody wants to change. Nobody's ever going to be any different. I beg to differ, sir. I beg to differ, ma'am. Why don't you just look around the room a little bit and you'll realize that there are people that when they get the opportunity to see Jesus, they never want to see anything else again. Just look around the world and you'll realize there are people that once they came out of the darkness, they never wanted to go back into it again. They fell in love with the light. They fell in love with the light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I understand the go and wash part of the story. And I'm, I understand. I'm not saying that we can heal. I'm not saying that we can deliver or that we can save anyone of our own power. But I am saying that we have been called and empowered and sent by God into the world. I am saying that we must see Jesus and we must see them that need Jesus. It doesn't fulfill the commission. I am not fulfilling my call. If I wake up every morning and I see Jesus, and I read my Bible and I pray and I see Jesus, if then I walk out into a world and I do not see them that need Jesus, I have to see him, but I also have to see them. Oh, hallelujah. Remember, it was Jesus that was willing to get his hands dirty first. It was Jesus who put his hands in the mud and the dirt with his own spittle. It was him that got his hands dirty first. And he took the dirt of the ground into his own hands and he placed his hands upon the blind man's need. He initiated the contact. He initiated. He did it. 
He saw the blind man. He approached the blind man. He got his hands dirty. He put his hands upon the need of the man. He did all of that. All of that. And then said, now, now you have an opportunity to go wash. Now you have an opportunity. Oh, hallelujah. When they walk into this place on a Sunday morning and we have uh, the, the blessed opportunity and, 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 and requirement of the word uh, to preach the gospel message uh, and we preach about repentance and how it forgives us, cleanses us and we preach about baptism and the washing away, the remission of sins and we preach about these wonderful things, this purification, the old man dies, the new man comes forth. When we get to do all of that, it's wonderful it's wonderful. It's wonderful. But that's not where it begins with that person. It has to begin somewhere else with our hands in the dirt. When we see somebody's need, we really consider and we really encounter them. And we touch them and pull them close. Jesus later deals with the man's faith and salvation. This is not just about a physical healing. Later on, as you read down, after you get past all the nonsense of the people, we find Jesus and this man have another encounter where Jesus deals with his faith and deals with his salvation, and the man worships Jesus. He worships him. He worships him. But this miracle begins with a physical need that leads to a spiritual need. Hallelujah. We are living in an age where you're going to have to deal with the brokenness and reach in past the pain and the hurt and the addiction and the abuse, and you're going to have to reach in. And you're going to have to deal with a lot of that stuff maybe before you ever get to the spiritual. But you have to understand, it's all the same to Jesus. It's all the same because he's the solution. He's the solution for the physical and the spiritual. Stand with me if you would, please. The man was healed, and some questioned, and some doubted, and some accused. My God. I preached this morning about what it's like to be opposed of God. You want to be on the wrong side of something. Just let God do a miracle in your presence and all you do is question it and doubt it and accuse somebody of doing something wrong. No, I don't want to be on that side of it. I don't want to be on that side of it and I don't even want to be on the side of the disciples trying to figure out who's to blame. I'm tired of that. That's an endless road to nowhere. It's an endless road to nowhere. I'm tired of trying to point a finger 
at someone to blame when I should have my hands in the dirt. Trying to find somebody to blame when I should have my hands on the hurting, when I should be loving somebody, helping somebody, teaching somebody, opening my life to somebody. I firmly believe that God has already started to do the miraculous in this church on levels that we haven't seen before. And I firmly believe that God is ready to do miraculous through his church. Uh, the things that we have never even thought were even possible, even though we should have believed them the whole time. But I feel like God has decided that now's the time to start doing the miraculous, to start doing things that cause everybody to say, what is going on? What in the world is happening? He's trying to open this world's eyes because the darkness is growing darker than it's ever been before. And God says it's time to throw back this whole thing and shed some light like maybe they've never seen before. I believe that the church of the living God is in store to see miraculous things that would blow our minds and I want to be in the middle of it. I don't want to be on the outside. I don't want to be questioning. I don't want to be pointing the finger. I want to have my hands in the dirt. I want to have my hands on somebody's life when the miracle comes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And all I have to, this is, this is all the Lord wants us to hear. Is the only problem with all of that is if we don't see them, we can't touch them. If we don't see them, we won't help them. And God wants to open our eyes and he wants us to show, he wants to show us. I wonder if you wouldn't come today and pray a little bit. I wouldn't join these that have already come. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.